0: This is the first Sunday of the year, first Sunday in 2018, and it's usually the sort of, well, we're a few days into the new year, usually the sort of time of the year where I start thinking about joining the Weight Watchers or Slimming World, Um, but as you can tell, I don't really do much about it, I just think about joining it. But uh, I do hope and pray that this year would be a year of blessing for for you all, uh, that maybe all know his grace and love. And continue sharing what we've received from him this morning we're going to continue our series of life to the full and we're going to look at the issue of asylum and separation Well, you'd usually think that the first Sunday of the year would be something about the great power of God the awesomeness of God or you're all champions uh, but this week we, start, we we decided to talk about separation, but I'm sure you'll find it as encouraging, well hopefully, as other topics, um, we have faith that everything from the Bible points to Jesus and that should be in, uh, encouraging to every single Christian. Uh, we're not going to look at a particular passage from the Bible and unpack that, rather we're going to look at narratives, uh, the life of a particular character which we'll get into. Um, In the beginning, God didn't really intend for separation to happen. When he created the heavens and the earth, um, he didn't really intend for people to have to seek asylum or to become refugees. But just like with everything else that is not right in the creation, it's as a result of the disobedience of Adam and Eve. It's the disobedience of those who decided to take their lives into their own hands rather than submitting to God and say, yes, we want you. We want to follow you and obey you, Um, even at times where we don't really know what it means. We trust you and we have faith in you. They decided to take that into their hands, and as a result, people have had to flee, even right from the beginning of the Bible. There's quite a lot of refugees in the Bible, in fact. Um, I'm going to name a few of them, but if you go and look through the Bible, you'll see quite a lot. In fact, if you go to the first book in the New Testament, that's the Gospel of Matthew, and if you look at the first chapter, you'll come across some of them. But one of the most famous one is uh, King David himself in the Old Testament. He had to go and seek asylum because of Saul. In, in fact, um, on a number of occasions. And he even had to take his uh, family to another king nearby and say, will you look after them? I'm on the run. Um, I'll have to hide. Will you look after my family? Uh, they, they, they're not really able to stay where they are. It's not safe for them. Um, Elijah. King Ahab, if you know him, if you've read the Bible and you've got to King Ahab, you know that he's not the best of kings, particularly when Jezebel is around as well. And Elijah has to run away. And he has to run away from where he lived. And at one point, it becomes so hard that he says to God, "Really, just kill me because I've had enough? I want to die. It must have been so difficult. Then the next one is Rahab. She helps the Israelites and then she goes and seeks refuge with them. She becomes one of them. And then the next one is Ruth, probably one of the most famous ones. She was a Moabite, an enemy of Israel, but yet she decides to go and follow their God and uh, resides amongst the Israelites. And the most famous one of all, Jesus himself. Um, Just a couple of weeks ago, we were celebrating his birth after he was born there were quite a lot of events that you wouldn't normally expect to happen when a child is born but with this child everything's different everything's uh, is just not normal because it's god himself amongst us so he has to run away as an infant to egypt to seek asylum because his life was in danger because there was another king who thought his kingdom is threatened by jesus and as our good friend Paul Cattrall very often reminds us that it was, I think, around 1999 when um, three asylum seekers were sat on a bench in Stockton High Street, and one of them stands up, stops the first passerby and says, I'm looking for a spirit-filled Bible-believing church. Can you point me to one? And that person knew one, so he sent the guys to Jubilee. Um, I think we were meeting somewhere else at the time. And that's how we all began. A church of mainly white, middle-class British people, became something that is known as a multicultural church today. In fact, that was a question that Mavash had of a good friend when we came here. We didn't know him at the time, but we came here thinking that it'd be safe for us. We were experiencing lots of racial harassments. So at one point, we were even thinking of moving somewhere else. We were thinking, maybe we should move to a more metropolitan a part of the country where people are used to others from a different culture and background. People are used to seeing others who don't necessarily look or do things in the same way as them. And we were only here for a few months. Um, but Mabash was in the town doing some work and um, she bumped into this person and she thought, I'm going to ask him. So she asked the same question. And that person turned out to, uh, to be Steve Whittington, who was one of the elders at the time here at Jubilee. He's now leading a church in Hull. And uh, so he said, yes, I know a good church. And uh, he invited us to Jubilee. And it was here when we found out he was actually one of the elders. So we thought, that's a bit biased uh, from you saying, yeah, I know a good church, but yes. And it was his fault that we came here and we stayed here. Um, And since then, this has been a home to us. So that's how it all began, really, for Jubilee. Uh, Many years ago, when you started welcoming people, Jubilee was one of the first churches in Teesside that started welcoming refugees and asylum seekers. And I'm glad that we're not the only one now, because we've helped quite a lot of the churches around in the area. And that's how how it should be. We don't want to be keeping things to ourselves, but rather helping other families, other churches in the area to be welcoming the sojourners in the land. I remember at one point, we were invited to a church in Derby. Uh, we still have a very good relationship with them. Uh, to go and help them uh, with their ministry to refugees and asylum seekers. And at the time, they only had one refugee there. But their vision was bigger than what they could see at the time. They had faith. So they said, will you come and help us with this? We thought, yeah, sure, we'll go down. So we had a few trips down there. Um, Andrew Jackson, who now lives in Derby as well, he helped us with the relationship in there. And um, now they're one of the most multicultural churches in Derby. Now they invite us to go, not to help them build foundations, but to help them with teaching and preaching to different congregations in different languages. They have a number of Iranians, speak the same language as I do. and so that, But every time we go now, we take a different team with us to help us with that. And it's just wonderful to see that. But they didn't stay there either. Now what's happened is out of that church, something else is happening. Now they're helping churches, not only in Derby, but all around the nation, in becoming welcoming churches to the sojourners in the land. Becoming a welcoming place where those who have had to flee their homes because of persecution feel welcome. And... Again, Jubilee has had a part to play in that. Now, we've all experienced separation at some point in our lives. If you haven't, um, I'm not going to prophesy, but I'm sure you will. And it's not to, I'm not being negative, but it's the reality of life. Um, Sometimes we're separated from our parents, we're separated from wives or husbands, we lose a loved one, a friend. Um, None of us are immune to it. But this morning, we're going to focus on the ones who are forced to leave and therefore are separated from quite a lot of things, from what they called home, from their families, their loved ones, from the place where they had lots of memories. Some of these separations can happen early on in our lives, and sometimes they can happen when we're a bit older. But let me tell you this, we're all refugees of something. We're all refugees of something. Sometimes we run away because we're persecuted, because of our political opinion, religious beliefs, sometimes even because of our ethnicity, because we were born into a particular people group. And people think that in the West there aren't refugees, really. People from Western nations don't need to become refugees, but I think there are refugees here as well. Refugees of secularism, refugees of alcoholism, refugees of things that are going on in the streets, even in our neighbourhood. But Psalm 61 is a great encouragement. It tells us that God is our refuge. So if you're a refugee here from another nation, I want to encourage you to take your refuge in Jesus. If you're weary and tired, regardless of which nation you're from, take refuge in Jesus, because He's the one who won't let you down. I remember um, when I was at uh, the uh, university, uh, one of the modules was on engineering design, and I remember that from the very first days, uh, the lecturer came and gave me a book and said, I would recommend this. I would go and buy it, actually, uh, because it just helps you with looking at things from an engineering perspective. It helps you looking at things from a different point of view. So you'll see things in a way where other people wouldn't normally see it. So you'll have to learn to look at things in a different way and as i was preparing this sermon i started thinking about our good friend paul winston and i got this box and i thought this is a box whether you've done an engineering degree or not this is a box isn't it but to paul winston who has a different point of view to things generally this can be a helicopter he can turn this into something else so i'm going to give it to him and commission him to do something with it for next week or the weeks later. I know we have put, yeah, may God have mercy on us when you do that, Paul. But it just helps us to know that our own view is not necessarily the only view. It just helps us to know that when you look at things, try to take into account the view of others around, but the most important thing for us is to look at things the way that God sees them. Because that's how we become like Him. That's how we can see things the way He does. So we need to look at them from a perspective that the Bible gives us. Because the Bible is the Word of God. And by reading it and by looking at things in the context of the Bible, we can see how God sees things. And I can tell you that God loves refugees. And it's not just because I'm one myself and I love them that I say this. It's because I am convinced that's what the Bible says. When we think of the issue of asylum and separation, we generally think about the person, the individual, and how they can settle in here. That's if we're really in favor of them and we feel it's okay for them to be around. They're not an inconvenience. It's okay. So we generally think about the individual and how they can settle. We may not necessarily know that those who seek asylum are generally leaving things behind, and separation is a big issue to them being separated from the loved ones, and it's something that I have to struggle with on a daily basis, because it just doesn't go away overnight. It still is with you. Um, Mavash and I, along with a number of other people here um, at Jubilee, we were hosting a young lady from Central Asia a few years ago. Uh, we got to know her through Open Door, and she was a destitute asylum seeker, I think in her early 20s, with no right to work, so she wasn't allowed to work, she had no income, uh, she had no roof over her head, and until Open Door could, something, could sort something out for her in one of the um, houses that they run, um, there were a number of people who said, we'll host her until you can do that. Uh, so at one point, she came and stayed with us, and I remember, uh, I thought, well, we're refugees, so we know quite a lot about how, it's, how it is, not knowing that people have different experiences. It was Mavish's birthday, uh, her 21st again at the time. And then we received the parcel at the door. Her mom had sent her some presents. So we received it, we came in, we, didn't even, we weren't even expecting it. We opened it, and there were quite a lot of things in it, from uh, dried herbs to quite a lot of spices and other things as well as, uh, obviously, other presents for mavash. But then we realized as Mavosh was picking them out from the box, this young lady was there as well. And she started to cry because we reminded her of her mother. And we thought that, yeah, well, we've left them behind, but we are still able to get in touch with them. We are still able to speak to them, sometimes even WhatsApp or Skype or some of these younger generation things, and do some of those things. We can even see them. Um, But we didn't know that this young lady wasn't able to even make a phone call back home because it would have put her family in danger. Every time we would say the word mother or father, she would cry involuntarily. And that taught me something, that we can never become over-familiar with the issue of separation. People who are generally refugees come from areas where family structure is really important. Um, and it may be important in a different way to hear. Um, and it's very close to the culture in the Bible, where the family structure is quite important. For instance, we read in Exodus, "'Honor your father and mother, that your, your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you.'" Uh, the Apostle Paul tells us later on in Ephesians that this is the first commandment with a promise. God commands his people to honor the sanctity of marriage by saying, you shall not commit adultery. In Proverbs, we read, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teachings. Joshua, towards the end of the book, where Joshua is reminding people of what God has done for them and that they have a choice to make, whether to follow the God of Israel or whether to do whatever they want to. But he says, but for me and my household. So his decision is not just personal or individual. He says, it's me, and I'm making that decision for my household, because I'm the head. I'm the one responsible for them. We'll follow the Lord. And you can only wish that your children would memorize these verses from Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, I know if there are children here, they would probably hate me for citing this again, but uh, this is what the Bible says. Obey your parents. So, there's quite a lot of things to do with the importance of family and the structure of the family. And refugees generally come from areas in the world where family is really important and is quite close. You can probably experience it if you've had people who are refugees here, if you've had them round for food or if you talk to them. Generally, the first thing they would ask you, how's your family? There are many more examples in the Bible, many Bible verses and many characters, but today, as I mentioned, we're not going to look at one specific passage, but we're going to look at the life of one particular person. This person's life is a great example in terms of integrity, in terms of following God. He became a refugee. He didn't want to, but he became one. And he wasn't treated well at times in his life. This character is in the Bible. What he didn't do was that he split his life into this is the bit that I have for God and this is the bit that I have uh, for the society. He didn't, it was all for God. And that's what we often want to do. As a church, we often want to say, this is my life at church on a Sunday. um, I'm a good Christian. On a Sunday, this is about God. But on a Monday, it's generally about something else. But the Jesus that we know from the Bible is not a big fan of part-time Christianity. In fact, he dislikes it very much. There are many ways in which the church, as a family, can respond to the issue of separation and asylum. This person's life, the character that I was talking about, you've probably guessed, is Joseph from the Old Testament. Joseph, the son of Jacob. Now, every time I've heard a sermon, uh, particularly in this nation, on Joseph, it's generally to do with sexual temptations, how he managed to overcome that. Now, I can imagine if you go to a church in the Middle East, it'd be about the importance of family. Joseph looked after his family. He never forgot about them. Now, in Germany, probably, they would talk about Joseph's discipline and how good of great skills he had in terms of administration and discipline. So we can look at it again from our cultural perspective. But today, I want to look at it in a different way. Let's look at his timeline, his life, and the sort of things that he went through. He was a favorite of Jacob, who was also known as Israel in the Bible. He was a favorite in Genesis chapter 37. We read that his father really loved him more than anyone else in the family. And also he gave him a robe. He he ordered it, especially from Debenhams, and said, you'll make it colorful, you'll make it the best that you have. It's for my favorite son. So what that led to was unpopularity. Because the rest of Jacob's sons saw it and they thought, who is he? He's not even the firstborn. What sort of rights does he have to get the robe? But also he has all the love of our father. Our father cherishes him. So that resulted in a bit of hatred from his brothers. So he became unpopular with his brother. But he was really loved by his dad. This unpopularity wasn't just there. They weren't just moaning about it, thinking, oh, he's getting all the best things. He's getting to go on holidays in the Lake District with our dad. He's getting to get the best things, and we're not getting any of it. They decided to do something about it. They thought, well, he's coming now. Maybe we should do something about it. Maybe we should get rid of him for good. What we'll do is we'll kill him, and then we'll just tell our dad that the wolves ate him. Now, there was one of the brothers who thought, this isn't right. He's our blood. And we don't want to kill people. Let's do something. Let's just put him in a pit. He'll stay there. We'll, we'll teach him a lesson. And then, we'll do something about it later. We'll just tell our dad he's died. He'll learn a lesson. He won't be as proud as he would be. What happens is, they beat him. And then, they put him in a pit. Then, a group of Ishmaelites, a caravan is going probably with lots of camels, they're passing by, and they say, oh, fancy buying our brother. And they say, well, how much? 20 shekels, probably around lots of hundreds of pounds at the time. So they sell Joseph into slavery. They sell their own brother into slavery. So he goes from being the favorite to the one who is unpopular. And worse than that, he became the slave. He's taken to Egypt, to a land he's not really... Sure, off where it is, he doesn't really know much about them. They have different customs, they probably use different utensils for, to eat food. Their Yorkshire pudding is a bit different from them, their roast chicken is a bit different. They do things in a different way. And as he thought that it can't get any worse, it actually got a bit better for him. But then in Egypt, he became a prisoner. He became a prisoner for no fault of his own. He didn't really do anything, it wasn't his fault, but he was in prison. But even there, he didn't lose his integrity. Even there, he didn't forget about God and God's goodness. He knew that God's hand is at work. Now, so far, you may think, that's me. I've been through all of that. Now, the good news is that God is with you, and if you feel that you've been through that, hang on, because God is there. God is faithful. With Joseph, he was so good, he was a prisoner himself, but the prison guard said, you know what, mate, is the keys. You look after them, I'm going to go home, I'm going to have my lunch, and then I'll have a pudding, I'll have a nap as well, because he was in Egypt, the people usually do that, and then I'll come back in the evening. The prison guard knew that if he gives the keys of the prison to Joseph, leaves and comes back in the evening, everything would still be there. Because this guy was so good at what he did. He had integrity. He had love for God. And if you're a refugee here, I want to encourage you not to forget the love that you have for God. The first and the most famous commandment love the Lord your God. Because out of that, you will love your neighbor. While he was in prison, he helps two guys. He interprets their dreams for them. One is good, one's not so good. But he tells the guy, He says, when you get out, because that's what your dream means, will you help me? And the guy says, yeah, sure, I'll help you. Yeah, yeah, not a problem at all. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to sort it out. You'll be out the next day after me. The guy gets out. He forgets about Joseph. So as he thought it can't get any worse after becoming a prisoner, he's also forgotten. They've forgotten about him. So he's in a nation that he's a foreigner, Every time I say that word, I want to respond to it because I've been called that so many times. But he's a foreigner in Egypt. He's in prison and he's forgotten. What's next? He probably thinks, I'm going to die here. I'm never going to see my dad. I'm never going to see my family. Life doesn't really mean much, but he carries on until he becomes the second person in all of Egypt. How? because God wanted it, because God had a plan. Through the skills and the giftings that God had given him, he becomes the second person in the whole of Egypt. In fact, the Pharaoh tells him, you can have everything other than my throne. So from now on, you'll do everything that I used to do. I'll just have the throne. I'm the king of all Egypt. You're second in charge. You're second in command. You are the one who'd be ruling the whole of Egypt. We often think that by allowing refugees into our land, and I include, that, include myself in that, we are being generous because we're sharing the land with them, we're sharing things with them. But the life of Joseph teaches us that people of Egypt weren't so generous by allowing him in there. In fact, he saved them from famine. He saved them and the generations to come from dying because of the Spirit of God that was on him. So we shouldn't really be proud and think that we are being generous. However, when the next generation and the generations after forgot about Joseph's goodness to them, they started becoming paranoid about the Israelites. They started thinking, who are these people? They're growing even stronger than us. They're more in numbers than the Egyptians here. So we must do something about it. They started thinking, in terms of human paranoia. They were thinking, they'll overtake our country, we'll make them into slaves. And then, 400 years later, God had to come and intervene. So, this is Joseph. Some of you may think, well, that was thousands of years ago, it's a person in the Bible. Yeah, the times were different then, things were being done different. Um, So what is it like for someone in today's day to go through the whole asylum process, to leave their home and to become a refugee? What is it like for someone to run away from their home and to have to go to a land that they're not really so sure of? They don't know the language. They don't speak the language. They don't know the customs. What is it like for them? I'm glad you asked the question because I've I've, I've got some stories ready for us, really, to hear firsthand from those who've experienced a similar thing uh, to Joseph. And you'd be glad to know that it's not me or my own story. Uh, I'm going to ask my good friend, Jossam, Elham, and Alirazah to come forward, please. It's their story. I've asked them to tell us what it was like when they were separated. By force, Jossam had to leave and run away. I'll let him tell you the story. And what was it like for them to come and get to know the church? And how did they feel that the church was a family that accepted them, that welcomed them, showed them the love, the love of God? So I'm going to start with Jossam. I may have to borrow your mic, please. And now this has to be... Um, Translated so I'll be You can trust me with that. I'll just change the bits that is about me if it's bad, and I'll just tell you yeah, I'll, yeah. Yeah.
1: I'll just
0: <laughs> Greetings to you all and good morning
1: <laughs> So I came uh, to England in uh, October
0: 2012 and when I came to this country, I didn't know Jesus Christ
1: it was
0: in November the same year when I came into
1: Middlesbrough.: uh, They took me to a house uh,
0: where it was shared with um, a few others. A few other people were living
1: there.:: It was
0: quite difficult for me to live with them and share the house.
1: یکی از که ایرانی بود.
0: I got to know one of them who is also
1: Iranian. I asked him
0: to take me to a church that he
1: knows of. Um, he told me yes, he
0: knows of Jubilee, and he brought me to Jubilee on a Sunday.
1: in the church, and it was a with
0: I came in and I saw people worshipping and it was really surprising to me that they were able to worship God with singings uh, and with guitar and they were able to lift up their
1: hands. Then I
0: got to know Surush and Mahvash. That's the bad bit.
1: Uh, It was a
0: good feeling and they all welcomed me.
1: و من کلیسا ادامه دادم و
0: احساس کردم که خونه منه. I continued going to church because I felt it's like home to me.
1: احساس راحتی می کردم. احساس آرامش پیدا کردم.
0: I felt comfortable there and I felt at peace.
1: بعد با سروش با در مورد خانوادم صحبت کردم که گفتم توی ایرانم.
0: Then I spoke to Soroush about my family who were back home in Iran.
1: خیلی ناراحت بودم که دور بودم ازشون.
0: I was really disappointed and uh, quite sad that I was away from them.
1: Uh, Then I was
0: told to pray
1: for them.
0: And not to worry because God has a plan for everything in
1: his own time. They
0: would all pray for me at all times. So I started speaking to Elham. Uh, about going to church. I told her that I was going to church.
1: Uh, I used to tell her that
0: Jesus is the living God and God is our
1: Father. But
0: she used to
1: laugh at me. Mm-hmm.
0: On one of the telephone conversations, Elam told him that it's that time of year where we have to make sacrifices of animals.
1: I told her that I don't need
0: to do that anymore. There is no need for it. But she insisted that we
1: must do it. I told her that I do
0: Um, I told her feel free to give sacrifices for yourself but not for me because Jesus Christ died once and for all and that includes me
1: I was uh,
0: so sad that she's not a believer yet
1: So I
0: spoke to Surush once again and he said God will do things in his own timing
1: have peace and be at peace. When
0: my wife and children came to this country to join me, I brought them to church
1: and I felt at peace.
0: A few days later, God spoke to her personally. She saw visions of God and then she came to know Jesus Christ and I was full of joy.
1: I am happy with all of you that you have supported me in these five years and you have prayed for me and for me alone. And you have prayed for my family and you have always said
0: I want to thank you all for all your support over the past five years. You've all prayed for me. You've all been praying for me and for my family. I want to thank you for all your support, for welcoming me here and for welcoming my family and making this a family for all of us. Thank you. Now, that was Jassim's story, and I thought it's it's always good to hear the other side of the story of somebody who actually was away, but not in here, and hear how they felt uh, when they were away, separated by force, and then what happened when they came here together. Greetings to all.
2: It was really
0: difficult for me when Jason was away, particularly with having two children. And the worst thing was that he was talking of Jesus and talking of God becoming a man. It was really difficult for me to picture God as a human being.
2: But when I first met uh, Christians, it was
0: um, in Turkey. I met Jill and Andy and that changed my whole perspective on Christians. I felt at, at ease with them and I felt that they are different.
2: وقتی اینجا از تمام و مشکلات زندگی مثل ولی از روز اول تشویق که با خانواده کلیسایی باشیم و از آرامش و When I
0: first came here, the first few days it was like a, uh, I was like a bird with broken wings because I'd been under a lot of pressure because of the separation. I wasn't able to do anything. But Jesus encouraged us and He said. Come and meet the rest of my family. Come and take part in the church life with me. Jasm gave me this opportunity to choose for myself.
2: When I came in people
0: started to welcome me and they prayed for me and every time they would say can we pray for you I would would go in with open arms although I wasn't
2: a Christian yet.
0: People would give me encouraging words, they would give me prophetic words and Helen brought a prophetic word that was really encouraging to me at
2: the time. There were
0: were many people around that I didn't know but they knew me and they knew me well. I didn't even know their names.
2: و بعد هم متوجه شدم که برای دعاهایی که در ایران بودم برای من دعا می کردند و من رو می شناختن.
0: It was later on that I found out when I was still in Iran they were praying for me they knew me even when I wasn't here.
2: و الان وقتی به قبل نگاه میکنم که چقدر دعای من و بچه محافظت می کرد دلیل اتاد به عنوان خانواده وقتی به انگلیس اومدیم.
0: Now, when I look back, I can, I can see that these prayers were really helping us at difficult times. They were a protection for us. And particularly when we came in to be reunited here in this country.
2: This reunion didn't uh, happen very easy. It, w- it wouldn't have been as
0: easy without your prayers. It was in here that I was able to reconnect and be reunited even with my own son that was with me Um, and it it was there that our relationships um, came to, to a better place.
2: It was your
0: prayers that really helped me on my journey and it was through God himself speaking to me that I was able to give him my life.
2: Um, it was there that I
0: realized how sinful my life uh, was. Although I came from an Islamic background I, and I thought I, I know God, I didn't really know Him.
2: I used to think
0: that to say for that God can become a human being, for God to live in a human
2: being, is sinful. a وارد بطری
0: I was thinking that by just believing in him I may be able to be free But I knew that it wasn't enough It was like a drop of water In a polluted bottle of water It cannot make or turn the water Into um, clear water
2: منم احساس کردم که کلیسا و ایمان به عیسی باعث میشه رابطه بین من و خدا رو مستحکم‌تر کنه. It
0: was my faith in Jesus that allowed me this relationship with God the Father and it was through the support of the church that I'm able to maintain that.
2: و این کلیسا هست که مثل دستگاه تصفیه کننده آب میمونه فقط ایمان داشته باشیم به عیسی خداوند مهربان
0: it was through the church that it was that acted like a filter for me, my thoughts, and my relationship with God. And it's through knowing Jesus that you can have full life in Him. Thank you, God. Now, that, it's wonderful to hear stories. I, I always love to hear stories and see how God has worked. But sometimes it's also helpful to hear from. our teenage friends, those who may have been a a bit younger, and to hear how they experienced uh, and how they were able to handle things when they were separated from their loved ones. So you all heard that Jocelyn was away from his family for quite a number of years because he had to flee um, his own uh, country. And Elham said that it was difficult with having two children. But I think it'd be good to hear from Alireza as to how he felt and h- what sort of experiences he had when he was away and what was his first experience when he came to know Jubilee in
3: here.
0: Good morning. It, although it's afternoon, it's morning to our teenage friends, I think. yes
3: <laughs> <laughs> hmm mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, I was a
0: stubborn and arrogant young boy. I would uh, especially when my father wasn't around, I would take every opportunity to disturb my mother. I would take every opportunity to get on her
3: nerves. I got to a point
0: where nothing would satisfy me at
3: all. Everything
0: that was around me, even the people around me would encourage me to carry on with that sort of attitude But I knew that it wasn't of God and it must have been from the enemy himself I felt like I was being drowned Um, I was using force to get things that I wanted to Until we came here and I got to know the church
3: And I
0: went to youth and I saw the people of my age in
3: there. It
0: was there that I felt the peace of God. It must have been a different youth group.
3: (laughs) It was the the
0: peace that I received there that uh, allowed me to, to want to come to church um, and I was eager to get together with the rest of the family.
3: <laughs>
0: and I still feel that I need your prayers. <laughs> Wonderful, great. Um, it's, it's always good to hear stories um, firsthand of um, what God has done in the lives of people, but I think the common theme in there was the goodness of God, but also the prayers of people here. So I want to encourage you to stop praying, and we're going to do it now together. We're going to do it a bit differently. If I could ask the band to come up, please. If you were born in this nation, can I ask you to stand up, please? Or put your hand up. (laughs) So, for the rest of us who are sitting down, you may think, well, I'm not a refugee. But it's fine, because this is now your home. If you just have a look around and see these people, get into groups and go and pray for them. Firstly, for reflecting the heart of God in welcoming people like you and I. Secondly, pray for this nation to continue to be a safe place for those who flee persecution. To continue to be a place where people can come to and get to know Jesus Christ. For a place where the word of God is being shouted from every street corner. And then I want to encourage you guys from this nation to pray for those who are not from this nation. But God has made this a home to them and to me. Pray for God's blessing on them and pray that they would help us as a family in reaching this nation and the nations. Because, fellow refugees, you're not just here for a safe life, you're here to play your part in the body of Christ in reaching the neighbors and the nations. Then I want to encourage you that together to pray for the refugees out there on our streets. Refugees not necessarily from other nations. Some of them may have been born and bred here. Pray for the darkness to be illuminated by the light of God. Pray for God to come and bring freedom. And pray that those who are weary would come and take refuge in God himself. Is that okay? It may need translating for some of our friends from other nations, but if you see anyone standing here, please go and pray for them now. And we're going to go into songs and worship